We're talking pass rushers today, pass rush percentage, sacks for NFL teams in 2021, and what that tells us about the 2022 NFL season. And I've got a question for Matt, if he can help me out with this one. He's a guy that worked in college football. Uh, I have no idea what's going on with USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. Let's see if Matt Williamson can help me make some sense of that one as well on today's Peacock and Williams. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson with you at PD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks for making us your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's what we do, even though it's the off season, July 1. Happy July. I hope everyone has a great 4th of July weekend. We are going to take a day off Monday uh, to observe that uh, Independence Day. And we will be back with you guys Tuesday after this. And we're talking pass rushers, Matt, today. But first, uh, just real quick, I got to ask you the question. What the hell is going on in college football? Because as much, I probably... I'm really unique in that I probably watch the most college football of any human being alive that doesn't care at all about college football. (laughs) I watch so many college football players and plays every season with only one objective. And it's about the NFL draft and who's going to, who do I like and, and, and sort of scouting players in an amateur way, you know, of, because I, I've been a draft Nick for forever. It's, it, but I don't care at all. I have no rooting interest. I went to San Francisco State. We didn't have a football program. Um, you know, Sonoma State lost their football program after Larry Allen was there at some point in the 90s as well. Like, uh, you know, I, we, we didn't have, uh, I didn't have a college football rivalry. I always find it weird when people root for colleges that they didn't attend. That's, that's a weird thing to me that I don't yeah, understand. I hear but, College football is baffling, and it gets more baffling to me every single season, even though I watch so many players and so many college football plays because I don't really care about it. And, I, and a lot of what I watch, I watch in January through April rather than, you know, September through December. And, you know, I see the big games and the bowl games and, and you know, the championship and those things usually live. But throughout the season, I don't even watch as much as I do in the spring. So maybe you can help me out with this one, Matt. How the heck can Rutgers – UCLA and USC be in the same football conference. I can't help you that much, but I do think it's an interesting conversation. And maybe it's more interesting, both of our takes on college football overall, because I guess I'll peel back. I don't know if I've ever really gone down this road. Born in 1973, Pittsburgh guy, of course. So, you know, the Steelers of the 70s were dominant. But the underlying story was go look at the pit teams from like Tony Dorsett, 76 through Marino. I mean, they were like one or two in the country every year. I mean, they were a powerhouse with Hugh Green and Bill Fralick and Lyman Galore and Chris Dolman. And I mean, they put out guys. Still, I paid attention. You know, my dad would have the pit game on on Saturday. Pit Penn State was a huge rivalry. I think I, I, I mean, but I didn't pay a ton of attention. I mean, I still was reading Mel's big book as opposed to watching Ohio State, Michigan when I was 10. You know, I mean, so it was always about the NFL for me. And I went to Pitt, but I went to Pitt at Johnstown. It's a branch campus that doesn't have a team. I didn't even watch the Pitt games or care if they won or lost at that point. Not long after college, I got hired by Pitt. And I think my first game on the sidelines of Pitt, which was the first game ever at Heinz Field, 
I'm pretty sure it was the second college football game I've ever attended in my life. <laughs> you know? So I, I, I and, and even whenever I left Akron and went to the Browns, I always thought, oh, I'm going to pay attention to recruiting. I was so into it for three and a half years. I'm going to watch every college game. But then I got married and I had kids and Saturday all of a sudden becomes Target and Bed Bath & Beyond Day. You know, I mean, it's just <laughs> it once and even like this time of year, every year I convince myself, man, I'm ahead of the game on the, uh, the, the next draft. I know more names this year than I ever did. And then the season will hit and I'll never, I won't even know who wins and loses or who's ranked number one, you know, and then I catch up again late. So I think we're kind of in the same boat. I mean, I've been employed by college, two different college teams. And I will say, you know, where my area of the country is, especially compared to yours, Penn State's three hours down the road, Columbus, Ohio State's about two and a half the opposite direction and Michigan's about four to the north, you know, so it's Big Ten country without question. But that brings me just to geography, you know, like I know this is all about money and I'm sure that there's some basketball implications, Michigan, UCLA, Indiana, UCLA. I mean, and again, I know nothing about basketball either, but I just think about, you know, you're a California dude, California kid, grew up in Cali, you know, goes to USC, he's the golden boy and he has to play at Wisconsin or Indiana in November at one o'clock and it's windy and nasty and you know it's 10 o'clock his time and he's like what did i sign up for and yeah i saw a lot of folks making fun of you know pac-12 style of football and some california recruit that is a 215 pound linebacker that all of a sudden has to set the edge against wisconsin's offensive lineman you know <laughs> in, in November or something like that yeah and and so that's yeah, it's, it's a different style of football or traditionally it has been, although, you know, everybody's going more spread happy, obviously, mm-hmm. even teams like Wisconsin and in Iowa, who had been the most pro style college football teams forever are, you know, going that direction, too. Um, but I, I like the Rose Bowl. So now do, can two California teams play each other in the Rose Bowl? How, how is that? I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting development. I, I guess it's all about money nowadays, super conferences, but I don't really know what I'm talking about. The short answer, money. That was this. That was the answer that I was looking for. Yeah, it, yeah. it's money. It, also, it's like, be interesting. And, and even more and more, like, how much of a farce is, like, the actual school part of, of you know, <laughs> right, right. athletes and, and academics? Because you got to be traveling 3,000 miles to Rutgers to play a football game, right? Yeah. And in the middle of a semester. So, I mean, that's going to wreck your entire week, obviously. How do you go to school, period, in, in that case? Like, at least, because that's what made sense about college conferences. Like, at least the travel wasn't that bad and you could get some schoolwork done and you're not gone for as long. But these are much longer trips now. And, uh, it's just, it's just wild. It's, it's the professionalism of college sports that's been going on for a while. And uh, I don't have a problem with it, but it's just like, it's just super weird. And it starts, it stops making sense at base at some point. How do you, there's just like, it feels like there's no governing body of college. Right. It's just, it's just it's like, like the wild what, west. What are we even doing? And like, who's, <laughs> how do you, how do you decide like what is is even important anymore? It gets so convoluted, and so that's where it's it's weird. It's always been weird to me, anyway. That's why I like professional sports. So mm-hmm. I'm a pro guy, not a college guy. UCLA, USC, in the in the Big Ten, sure, whatever. I, I don't get it. I never got. I didn't get it before. So right. 
I have one other angle I just kind of thought of, though, since we had this conversation. I, I'm thinking of the West coming East, and boy, I, you know, this is not what I signed up for. However, Kenny Pickett's top target was Jordan Addison at Pitt, who won the Bolitnikoff, great receiver. He transfers to USC and makes a bazillion dollars or whatever it was. Pitt couldn't match it. Now he's at USC, supposed to be a first-round pick next year, really good player. So I'm thinking through the recruiting lens. If I'm UCLA or USC – I'm saying to the Michigan dudes and the Wisconsin dudes, we got a spot for you on the, on the left coast and and BP, you know, I'm proud of where I live and I would never move, but I can concede that maybe weather and living conditions on your side of the country are a little more gentle and enjoyable. Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's, there's some, there's some give and take there. There's property value and and the cost of living. And then there's, you know, 70 degrees every day. (laughs) Right, right, right. Uh, All right, cool. Uh, So depending on where you are in California, California is a a big state. It is a large state. There's a lot of uh, topography. There is a lot of uh, weather patterns going on in the state of California. So it depends on on where you are. Um, Cool. Yeah. Let's not talk any more college football. Let's talk football. Let's talk NFL pass rushers and pass rush percentages and sacks for NFL teams in 2021, what that means in 2022 coming up. But first, let's tell the folks out there about Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs and wagering and sports information this season. Find all the latest developments, league reviews, news, including Major League Baseball all summer long. At least we have that in the dead part of the summer when there is no more NBA, no more hockey, no more NFL, but you can still bet on the futures for the NBA. You can bet on futures for hockey and, of course, a ton of NFL futures at Bet Online. Who the next coach is that's going to be fired? We've already got odds for weeks, of, you know, I think every week except for week 17 and 18. They've got weekly game odds already up at Bet Online. So if you think you've got an advantage before the season starts, get over there and bet on the next Super Bowl champion. Bet online, your continued source for not just sports wagering, but information, live betting, esports scores, fighting, celebrity boxing, whatever it is you want to bet on, golf, they've got it at Bet Online. So get over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action at Bet Online where the game starts. Okay, Matt, this is another part of your off-season spreadsheet that continues to grow. We talked a little bit about some quarterback stuff, uh, and this is this is universally some important statistics here because I know you have fun with your own uh, your own stats sometimes. You're like, well, mm-hmm. let's put this stat and this stat together and see what we get and, and what we learn from things. And I know some folks got get mad at you about uh, the way you did your your quarterback stats. Um, and it's like, look, if you're if you got a low yards per attempt or yards uh average depth of target low depth of target and you're not completing a lot of passes that's bad and so it's an easy way to find those things but today we're talking pass rush we're talking blitz percentages and sack numbers but pressure percentage i think is the most important part of this because um disruption equals production is is what i like to say about that and sometimes sacks don't tell the whole story but they do tell a story, but pressure percentage is really what I'm interested in here. And the percentage of how often teams blitz and, and how they utilize pressure too, and who's trying to create pressure and how they create it. It's all fascinating stuff. All very fascinating stuff. And this one's a little tougher. Real quick, I was going to throw out a note because a lot of people on Twitter gave me suggestions or better math minds than I am for the quarterback, you know, comp- you know thing we did the other day. And someone suggested – just combine ranks. Don't do the multiplication. And maybe we even next week I can revisit that because Joe Burrow came out on top. If you just look at it and go, 
he was the number one ranked completion percentage, the number 10 ranked ADOT guy. So a lot of the same results, but, you know, a better math mind pointed me in a direction. Yeah, well, because, yeah, it's it's imperfect the way you were doing it. uh, Right, right. uh, Multiplying percentages there. But at the same time, we highlighted Burrow as as super impressive. It's clear utilizing what we did that Joe Burrow is at the top and we highlighted him. I actually used Joe Burrow in, in the thumbnail image for the, for the YouTube exactly. because it was yeah. clear that Joe Burrow was, was really amazing in that, even though the way he did it, he didn't rank number one. And we talked about why, you know, um, Justin Fields' season wasn't good, even though he was high, but his yards per or his average depth of target buoyed that. And in there, it gives you hope. So there's, there's just a lot you can learn from this data, no matter how you look at it. Sometimes you stand on your head and you see things a little bit differently. So uh, imperfect, sure. But you learn a lot from looking at these types of things. And, and I think there's some things that are clear, like Joe Burrow was amazing last year. And right, we knew right. that from what you, you, you know, that from watching the games, you know, it from whatever stats you want to look at Joe Burrow was really good. And yeah, looking at the ranks is an interesting way to do it as well. And Sam Darnold and Ben Roethlisberger and Zach Wilson were all at the bottom too. You know, I mean, I mean, it's pretty much the same results, but it's mm-hmm. just a, probably a a better way of combining them. Yes. As for this one, I basically started with the same premise that I want to know how many sacks a team generates versus how often they blitz, and blitz being defined rushing five or more. It could be seven. It could be eleven. Five or more. They're bringing extra guys, more than four. Now, again, this isn't perfect either because I don't know if everyone out there knows what a green dog blitz is. Okay, a green dog blitz is I'm a linebacker. This is simple terms. I'm a linebacker who has this running back in man coverage. The running back is staying in protection, so I'm going to come now. You know, like it's better to be standing around. I might as well blitz and add to the, you know, the the pass rush equation, even though it wasn't a a blitz call. So, I mean, maybe that's 2% of them. So it's, you still get a pretty good idea who's blitzing heavy, who isn't, who's creating sacks, who isn't. Um, But then I took a, a third column and I pulled up the pressure rank because, and this I had pause about it. I want your input on. I think pressures now are a widely enough accepted stat that we can all understand what a pressure is. I can't define it like I can a sack or a blitz. And it bothers me that somebody sits in a dark room and says, yep, that's a pressure. Oh, that's not. But again, you know, we don't have to be a hundred percent dead on balls accurate. You know what I mean? I mean, and I do think that the reason I was interested in pressure rate is I'm a believer, and this is a pro football focus thing, that it's better to get pressures than sacks. And eventually, over a, a big enough sample size, the guys that get consistent pressures will get the sacks. Like, I remember the one year Vic Beasley, I think he had 16 sacks, but his pressure rate was terrible. Well, he was just kind of lucky that year. In terms yeah, kind of lucky. Yeah. And he had some some clean runs at the quarterback with his yeah. style of pass rusher. And he, he hit on a lot of those. And, yeah. and when he gets blocked, he gets blocked kind of thing. Uh, and I will add also that sometimes there's a play that's hap- that happens that's better for the defense than a sack. So you can get a pressure that forces the quarterback to make a bad throw. You get an interception on second down. That's better than a sack. Yeah, right, 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 right. You got, I mean, you got turnover. So uh, it's not only about sacks as far as pass rush goes. 100%. I mean, I might rather lead the league in pressure percentage than I do sacks. But I bet if you ask a bunch of defensive coaches, they'll say, give me a sack every time because that kills the drive and that causes right. fumbles too. You know, I mean, I, I got to hit on the quarterback. I mean, right. Yeah. Hit that, hit the quarterback for sure. Yes. So I don't know how you want to do this. I mean, 
we're already halfway through the show. I, I put together this spreadsheet. And then as I've been doing with some of these things, I tweeted out like six to eight observations of teams that stood out positive, negative, while they blitzed a lot but didn't get home, vice versa, who's the best, who's the worst. Just so happens our two teams are at the top of the list. Um, or we could just kind of say these are the best, these are the most sacks, but these and these are the teams that blitz the most. I mean, um, however you want to handle it in terms of addressing it to the audience is cool by me. Um, but I, th- I found a lot out by this. I mean, well, I, I do think-, think blitz percentage is important. Yeah, I think the listeners out there can look up who's the most and least in sacks, and I think we'll kind yeah, of talk, yeah. cover some of those things uh, while we well, talk about some of these teams because of the outliers are are pretty obvious here. So let's just go through the teams that are the most interesting when you look at both okay. percentage and sacks and pressure rates. Real quick, I found this a little bit fascinating too, that the worst team in the league in terms of just sack numbers was Atlanta. They had 18. I mean, like T.J. Watt had more sacks than the Falcons. <laughs> the second <laughs> the second worst team was 29. I mean, the Falcons were 11 sacks worse than number 31 and a few sacks worse than some individual players in the league. And so really the discrepancy in sacks, basically Atlanta aside, goes from 29, which surprisingly is the Eagles, to 55, which is my Steelers. They led the league by four more sacks than anyone else. Oh, by the way, I don't brag about this enough, but this that's the fifth year in a row the Steelers have led the league in sacks, which has never happened in NFL history. So there is a pretty wide gap. It's not just, oh, they had three sacks different. They're ranked, you know, 10 spots higher. I mean, 55 sacks versus 29, let alone 18, is a lot over the course of a 17-game season. And, of course, there's luck involved, but they have by far the lowest pressure percentage as well. So there is some correlations, not complete luck when it comes to sacks, just like the Pittsburgh Steelers are showing. They get after the quarterback, and that's mm-hmm. why they lead this league in sacks. And maybe they will be third this year, but that's because they create pressure, right? Yeah. Um, but the 18 sacks when the next that's worst team in the NFL is 29 is one of the most appalling, like, clutch your pearls stats that we've talked about this offseason for the Atlanta Falcons. That is you are a non-functional – your defense does not function if you're that bad at at, at getting after opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, and, and they were also 32nd in pressure rank. They were 19th in blitz rate, though. So it wasn't like they didn't blitz at all. Like I mentioned, the Eagles are a little shocking in that, wow, they're the second least amount of sacks. Well, only one team blitzed less than the Eagles. So that doesn't look quite as bad. If, I, if I'm not getting home with the sacks, at least I have seven in coverage the whole time. You know, where right. – Atlanta's middle of the road and blitz and they're at the bottom, bottom, bottom Mariana's trench in terms of pressure. (laughs) And then on the opposite spectrum, I'm bragging here about the Steelers, but they were seventh in pressure rank. You know, the Vikings had the second most sacks. They were eighth in pressure rank. The Rams and bears had were third and fourth in the league in sacks, but were 25th and 23rd in pressure rank. So that's probably going to come down a little, you know, I mean, they probably, the bears in particular stands out. Like I doubt you'll have the fourth amount of sacks in the league. If you're the 23rd best pressure ranked team. I'm just looking, I, I just can't believe the Falcons and I'm looking at their and They did add Arnold. Ebiketti. Ebiketti, I thought right. it was a nice pick in the second round, but Ebiketti by himself, isn't going to fix the pass rush and fix that defense. So there's still a lot of work to do no. on that Falcons roster. And it's why, you know, a lot of people are and me included, have them as, as one of the worst rosters in the NFL. I do like the Ebiketti pick though. I do too. I mean, you can't um, fix that in one offseason with, you know, no. so if you draft a wide receiver at number 10. Right, right, right. 
So a couple little nuggets here too. The Bucks, you know, they they blitzed the most, and they end up with you know, the seventh most sacks. The Dolphins blitz the second most; they end up with the fifth most sacks. So, you know, some of these things add up. They're blitzing, and it's working. Um, should, do me just to read some of the tweets I came up with here. You know. Yeah, let's let's get to some of those uh, yeah. bullet points next. I do want to uh, first thank everybody for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every day. For your second listen, make sure you are first of all subscribed to the Locked On NFL. YouTube channel, not only the Peacock and Williamson NFL show there, but the Locked On NFL podcast, national NFL experts and insiders keep fans dialed in with the biggest stories and the latest news from around the league because an offseason doesn't equal a break in the action. So much content here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team is covered not only in the NFL, but every professional league and college football. And you want to find out more about this move in the Big Ten, you can find that as well in the Locked On Pac-12 and Locked On Big Ten podcasts and are those podcasts gonna have to change names? We're going back to a pot, the Pac Ten now. I don't know. I don't know how that works. The, <laughs> the Big Sixteen or whatever it is. I don't know how many teams are in the Big Ten now, but um, you can find all of that on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, Matt. Yeah, let's let's get into these most interesting. Can we can we start with the 49ers? Because I know you like tweeted, I have nine teams I highlighted. I know you tweeted about this one and this one. The 49ers. We, we mentioned how the Falcons just drafted a second round pass rusher and so did the 49ers they drafted mm-hmm. Drake Jackson but the 49ers really stand out on this list because of how little they blitz but how much pressure they still create yeah and they're one of the most impressive it's clearly the theme of the 49ers since John Lynch took over as GM and Kyle Shanahan you think of him as an offensive guy maybe a finesse team they're all about the defensive line and the pressure John Lynch talks about how important it was for him to have such a great defensive line in front of him when he was playing safety in the NFL and that is the most important thing that this regime has done with the 49ers. So when you think San Francisco 49ers under Lynch and Shanahan, think they're going to build from the defensive line first. And they've done that. They've put resources there and this shows, and it helps when you can get that much pressure and not have to blitz. Yes. And I can't say enough what a superstar Nick Bosa is. I mean, I think everyone looks at Watt and Garrett as the best edge rushers in the league. It might be Nick Bosa. I mean, he's right there and might surpass them all. I mean, I, I think he actually is a smidge underrated nationally. I also have been told, again, assistant coaches are a really hard thing for all of us to comment on. But from what I understand, the Niners defensive line coach is a total, total superstar. So yeah. Chris Kucerich, he gets yeah. guys. Tr- Arden Key last year, you know, just thrown away by the. By the, right, very talented the, guy at LSU, had some problems. You know, right, right. Uh, thrown away by the Raiders, comes to the 49ers, has a big season, gets paid. Uh, we saw it with Kerry Hyder a couple years ago, goes to the mm-hmm. Seahawks, gets paid. Niners can't pay it, does nothing, and now the Niners just got him back for nothing. You know, so yeah. Kerry Hyder's back with Chris Kosarek and that defensive line, and he runs that wide nine scheme, and it's all about, you know, playing the run on the way to the quarterback and just ferocity, and they bring it, and he's a high-energy guy, and yeah, Chris Kosarek, and I, the thing is, is he's a superstar defensive line coach. I don't know if he's defensive coordinator material but he's definitely one of the best defensive line coaches in the nfl maybe you hope he isn't so he stays right exactly you right, right? Yeah, yeah. Out. so and, and the other thing to your point from the front office down they're never going to shortchange the d-line armstead buckner kinlaw i mean these guys are all high picks bosa used another early pick this year so again i have nine teams highlighted that stood out to me you know is kind of and here's what i, I wrote for the the, the niners the NFL's average blitz percentage 
was 25.4% last year. So 24, about a quarter of the snaps in the NFL across the league, people are bringing five or more. Well, the Niners blitz just a smidge under 20%, but the Niners were 20, you know, the, but the Niners 48 sacks was fifth best in the league. So they're getting home and keeping seven in the coverage. Yeah. And not just sacks. They were among the tops in uh, pressure, pressure rate, rates yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. So, um, or, or at least middle of the road in pressure rates. So mm-hmm. they're pretty good pressure rates, but really good at getting home. Um, and it's, yeah, it's pretty telling. And I, were the Raiders one of the teams? The Raiders were one of the teams. I'm scrolling through my timeline here at Williamson NFL. Sorry, I'm taking you. I'm taking you out of order, but like that was the one thing that I want to make sure we talked about because of how little the Raiders blitzed. Like almost so much so that you, because you you talk about the 49ers were mm-hmm. one of the lower uh, blitz rates at 19.8. Um, the Raiders are very interesting. The Raiders 12 percent blitz percentage and they didn't generate that great of a pass rush so start blitzing you know what i mean it's like at some point you're beating your head against the wall because what you're doing is not working see i'm gonna fight you a little on that because the raiders i'm sorry the seattle cover two is dead and the raiders are really the last team playing it last year and that coordinator went to the Colts, which I don't think is a great thing for the Colts. So <laughs> that's a rush for type of scheme going back to Pete Carroll and Michael Bennett and Averill and all those dudes. Yeah. So to your point, they only blitz 12%, 12% of the time, by far least in the league. I mentioned the Eagles before. They were second in, in, in blitz percentage at 16.4. So even 4% less than the second least team. But they still ended up with a pressure rate at league average. Max Crosby's good. You know, I mean, and now you add Chandler Jones, you know. So I think their pass rush is decent when you consider pound for pound players coming at the quarterback. They still were league average in pressure rate. They weren't tremendous with sacks, though. Yeah, I think you you also see that sort of it starts to paint the picture. Like they had good pass rushers, Mm -hmm. but you're asking a lot of teams teams knew what they were doing and you've got to be multiple in this day and age in the nfl like it's a positionless football uh, league so cool you have two good pass rushers well we know exactly where they are every single play and we know where everyone else is every single play so it doesn't help you overall so move guys around throw a blitz here disguise things and that's where we're at in today's nfl so Mm -hmm. that's all that's a great point by you uh how about these other teams that stood out i'm just going through the timeline here we mentioned the Bears earlier because they were very high in sacks but low in pressure rate. But 20 defenses blitzed at a higher rate than the Bears last year. But they also had Khalil Mack, and now they don't. <laughs> you know, like right. I don't know that that gets better. And uh, again, I mean, the sack number high, the pressure rate low scares me. But they didn't blitz much. And uh, uh, looking at Iberflus's defense, the new head coach there yeah. in Chicago. Uh, again, pressure rate low, blitz percentage low, but a ton of turnovers mm-hmm. for that team, which is odd. You would think pressure would result in turnovers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess Iberflus is just going to put everybody in coverage and hope the def- the offense throws the ball to their guys. Um, and- I don't know how sticky turnovers are, but I also think yeah, the Colts true. with those long arm linebackers are built for turnovers. Yes. And, um, it's, it would seem that it wouldn't change that much as far as these percentages go for now the new defensive coordinator and the new scheme in Indianapolis, which will also blitz 
less. Very little. Right. Probably bottom of the league. Mm -hmm. Um, The Bills, who we know are a very good team. They're going to be number one in everyone's power ranks. They were league average in blitz percentage, but they led the league by a wide margin in pressure rate. Now they've added Von Miller. Good luck, everybody else. (laughs) Right. The rest of the AFC. Yep. I mean, that's a little frightening. Like, that's the Bills just saying, we know we're good. We're going to make a strength, an extreme strength. And Von Miller is going to take Rousseau and boogie bash them and make them better. And we're already really good at this. Look we out, talked so much, Mahomes, you know, yeah, because we talked about the arms race in the AFC all offseason. And I thought the most fascinating part of that wasn't even the quarterback movement, it was the pass rusher movement to chase after those quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, and realizing that, Miller, okay, right. look, we've already got a good quarterback, so how do we fight against these other teams that are getting better? Go get go kill their quarterbacks, right? Yeah. And don't, don't allow Patrick Mahomes to outduel you in January, you know, because he's got someone in his face constantly, and so uh, it's pretty. It's pretty remarkable what these AFC teams are doing and how they're going. They're combating each other. And if the Bills are even better, and they were the That's best amazing, already right? at pressure rate, you know, and just get home a few more times, get a little bit more sack luck. With it, they were still pretty good at forty-two sacks in the NFL, which was top ten or so, right? The top eleven. So yeah, right. yeah, that, it's a scary defense to go with what the, the firepower they have on offense with Josh Allen. And you got to think they're going to be playing with a lead late in games often too. And, and in a way that that skews things a little for the defense. I mean, if you have, if you're the chiefs or the bills and you're playing with a lot of leads, that sure helps, you know, where you're the lions or the Jags, it's hard to get fourth quarter sacks and pressure. Yeah. But, but you know, but still those teams are interesting too. You know, so the lions, the lions were also a high blitz, low sack, low pressure rate defense last year, but they added Aiden Hutchinson. You know, like these teams recognize their problems. That's true. I mean, and yeah, that, that's why pass rushers are artificially in some mm-hmm. ways pushed up the draft boards every right. year. It's just, it's too important. Yeah. You're not like we talked about with the Falcons. You're non-functional. I saw this with the 49ers before they brought in, they brought in D Ford and Nick Bosa in the same offseason. Their defense was awful. They were a bad football <laughs> right, team. They right, had right. the number two pick in the draft. Then they went to the Super Bowl. It's like you go from non-functional to maybe an amazing defense with just a pass rush. It's it's one of the most important things you can have in the NFL. Right. I don't think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be Nick Bosa. And they may have taken him if they had the best pass rush in the league because he's just the best player on the board and they're picking right. second. But you would think one of their real problem areas at least improves. And again, these teams know what they are. Um, I mentioned the Steelers before. They're one of the other teams. Most sacks in the NFL yet again. Seventh best pressure rate, but unlike usual, it's not Blitzburg here anymore. I mean, they're just league average in terms of, of, of sending extra pressure. That's changed the last couple of years. Again, they've led the league in sacks five years in a row, but it's usually like Dick LeBeau's own blitzes, Paul Lamalu comes free. That's not really what happens here anymore. It's Watt and Hayward, you know? Yeah, and still Watt and Hayward, but some other you know movement over the last few years on the roster. Do you think that at some point is going to come down to earth the sack production for the Steelers? If maybe, maybe. I mean, uh, their front four is good, not great. There's two stars. The two at things a problem. Um, they're not bashful about blitzing, and I, it's also noteworthy that they did hire Brian Flores, who was the, the second most blitz happy coach in the league last year. So maybe they'll get more aggressive, but they don't have the Miami corners to leave them on islands, you know, mm-hmm. um, which actually brings me to the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens under Wink Martindale are known as a very, very blitz heavy team. And we know they got crushed by injuries last year. 
and they love to leave Marcus Peters and Humphrey on islands and blitz like crazy and don't really invest in pass rushers as much as they do secondary. And Pro Football Focus has put out their defensive back rankings and had the Ravens number one. But this was the worst pass defense in the league last year by a major, major, or by, by a, a wide margin. And again, injuries are m- much to blame. But I think here's why Wink Martindale is not back with the Ravens. Only seven defenses had a worse pressure rate than Baltimore. Only eight defenses created fewer sacks than Baltimore. But the Ravens' blitz percentage was sixth highest in the league. That's a bad combo. So they kept blitzing, leaving their corners that were fourth-string guys, not getting home, and getting beat deep. I mean, terrible combination. Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Miami Dolphins. They stand out so far above the rest as far as they were 7% higher than anybody else in Mm -hmm. blitz rate last year. 40% for Tampa, just under 40%, 39.6 for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Like just clearly way out in front one and two. They both created a lot of sacks, though. So these are teams that are saying, look, um, and this is kind of what I was going back to with the with the Raiders. It's like you have to get pressure. So I would rather have six in coverage and get pressure then have seven in coverage and not get home. So mm-hmm. if, if you have to create it, then create it. And that's clearly what the Dolphins and the Bucks did. And the Dolphins are spending a bazillion dollars on corners. Right. And it, what's interesting, too, is Todd Bowles goes from defensive coordinator to head coach. Flores goes from the Dolphins to the Steelers. But they promote – they kept the same – they kept the defensive coordinator from the last staff, even though they hired you know a new head coach in Miami. So I would imagine these things stay – you know, it, 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 keep, keep that, that same sort of pace, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple more teams just to buzz yeah. through if you want. Yeah, roll this, through the- this is a lot like the Lions. The Jaguars, the Jags blitzed the fifth highest rate, but only four defenses had fewer sacks. Yeah. Yuck. And the that's first just- overall pick's a pass rusher, though. Right. And, th- and that's that's sort of the, the yeah. struggle. You're right. Yeah. And, and that... It hurts my argument in some ways because I was like, just keep blitzing. And they did. They still <laughs> well, weren't getting yeah. home. So I was like, well, what are you going to do? You're damned either way, I guess. Because it's not like bad players and you're not- losing all the time. It makes it tough. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, again, the Jags and the Lions didn't have the same fourth quarter opportunities to get, you know, garbage sacks that the Bills did. But still, it was a problem. And again, they used the first two picks in the draft for pass rushers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be. I have one more team, and that's the Chiefs. And. I just said this, that the Chiefs are very interesting. Uh, only four defenses had fewer sacks. I think people don't realize, you know, they were the fifth worst last year in sacks. But they blitzed a little more than league average. However, the blitz rate here isn't all that important. But the pressure rate was sixth best, but their sack percentage was fifth worst. Or their sack total was fifth fifth worst. I think it's fourth I just, worst. I think fourth worst. You're right. You're right. Right. Teams. Yeah. Yep. And and they had. And I just, so the Chiefs had 31 sacks. The Eagles, who were second worst, had 29. So they're only two off of that. So yeah, they were terrible. That, that were they're really bad in sack numbers, but sixth best in pressure rate in the NFL last year. That's so I wild. finished that tweet just saying the sacks will probably come. You know, like history shows if you're high in pressure rate, maybe you were unlucky for 17 games, but you probably won't be unlucky for 50 games. You know. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. It's a and small they went and drafted Carl Loftus too. You know, like these teams know these things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they, they lost Charvarius Ward, one of their starting corners. Mm-hmm. Uh, they added McDuffie. We'll see if McDuffie's an outside guy or a, a slot guy for them. But interesting team in Kansas City. I, they're, they're just they're a fascinating team. And I, I almost feel like just because uh, maybe it's Andy Reid, maybe it's just because of their quarterback. I feel like they're always an outlier in everything, and they're just a weird team, and you can't really figure them out. I tend to agree with you. And, yeah. you know, again, you look at their draft, first two picks, two first-round defensive players, then they take Sky Moore, and then they take three more defensive players. You know, so five of their first six picks – all in the top 135 or on the defensive side of the ball with the exception of Sky Moore. You know, again, these teams know and their first pick or second pick was a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Well, they're trying to address their problems. You know, it just I think it's a great way to try to get in the minds of these teams. Are you going to post this the entire spreadsheet for the folks to look at on Twitter when I post this podcast? So that way uh, people can see exactly what the numbers are that we're talking about here. Okay, I'm going to sound like a very old man here. Um, I would like to, but if you noticed from my tweet last time with the quarterback spreadsheet, all I did was grab my phone and take a picture of my screen like an old man. I'm sure there's an easier way to share this thing via Twitter. Uh, I will try to do that, but That's this fine, spreadsheet's dude. just bigger, so I don't know if I could take a picture of the whole thing at once like an old man. I'm sorry. I'm technically challenged. Well, you know what I can do, actually? Hold on. Let's see. I sent it to you. You want to go to town? I can. Yeah, I'll, I'll screenshot this one. Okay. <laughs> you're you're the youth of the, yeah. uh, of the podcast here. Technological heavy lifting here. Or I could go ask my 13-year-old how to do it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can make a TikTok of it. There, there we go. We, yeah, right, it. right, right. All right. Fantastic stuff. Matt Williamson's off-season spread sh- spreadsheet continues to grow. Thanks, everybody, for uh, tuning in and making Peacock and Williamson your first listen. Make sure for your second listen you're checking out everything else the network has to offer. Your team is covered. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL channel on YouTube, which is the home of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Happy Fourth of July, everybody. Matt and I back Tuesday right here, Peacock and Williamson.